This is the Mouths of the South podcast. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. The official Dirty South Soccer podcast. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Talking all things Atlanta United FC. Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, man. We are the Mouths of the South. The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. What's up, Atlanta? This is the Mounds of the South podcast brought to you by Dirty South Soccer in the Palatial 680 of the Fan Studios. I am Eric Quintana. Next to me, Josh Bagrianski. Hello. And San Franco out this week. Uh, he's actually got an interesting uh, reason to be out. He yeah. has to stay home in Athens watching the NBA draft. And as part of the interview process for this job he's applying for, he's got to come up with shirt ideas. Hmm. Is that right? Based on the on the draft. Based on the draft. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. Me neither. So I didn't realize that was a job. I didn't realize that was the thing people got paid full time for. It's crazy what they'll pay people for. Man. I hope he gets the job. Oh, me too. I we've got some great MOTS and Sam shirt is, ideas. is also good at coming up with like little like snarky like lines like that. So yeah, yeah, we could get some moth shirts, which would be great. There you go. That would be great. Maybe some go. for the people as well, though. So more um, for the people than for us, but we're definitely they're definitely for us. Oh, okay. <laughs> I want at least one shirt. I mean, we're going to get shirts there. Be, at least one would be nice. So um, so that's why Sam is in here. So just uh, just Josh and I tonight. Mm-hmm. And um, It's intimate. Very intimate. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We can touch each other. Absolutely. Oh, we'll touch. yes. Yeah. Behind the, behind the screen, though. Oh, okay. Don't let them see on the webcam. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry for all the podcast listeners. And I did touch Eric. YouTube watchers. If you didn't see it, I touched, I touched his hand. A bit of personal news. I, I just wanted to, uh, so I'm actually going to Uruguay in August uh, for two weeks. I haven't seen my family that's down there. So the only people that live here are my dad, my brother, my sister. Everyone else that I know that's in my immediate mm-hmm. family lives down there. Really? I haven't seen him in like 20 years. Montevideo? Where, where, Montevideo, where, where, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Well, gotcha. some of them Montevideo, the others in uh, more of the country of Uruguay. What would they say if you went down there and started saying Uruguay? They would probably oh, disown gonna, you from I'm, the family. Well, I'm for, you know, if for you one, said Uruguay, I'm going to say Uruguay. But okay, thank you. <laughs> as long as you know what to do, I don't want you to get you know disowned from I'm your not family. Gonna, I'm not going to get off the plane. And be like, what up, guys? <laughs> I'm in Uruguay. You might as well just play the American role to the fullest, man. So you're going to be there for two weeks. Two weeks. Uh, I and so I was pretty looking tight. looking at like the exchange rate and whatnot. Yeah, I thought this was rather interesting. I didn't realize Uruguay was, I guess, if you want to think about it this way, either this poor or this mm. good of a country to kind of visit <laughs> as a tourist. Um, it's like I think it's on like the same level as Thailand. Really? The exchange rate. Um, Thir- one, 13 to zero. One Uruguayan peso equals point zero two eight U.S. dollars. So ten dollars equals three hundred fifty three pesos. Wow. Pretty good, right? But isn't it like almost like a socialist, uh, the government sort there of, they, is- they, uh, they pride themselves on, so they're they're super they're super liberal, so their marijuana's legal there. Hey, this is my kind of people. They've also I'm got- I'm hop on that plane with you, man. They've also got, I guess, easy access to abortion and, and 
Don't go too far, Eric. I'm just stating the facts. No, isn't the president was like a, a farmer so, or yeah, something? So yeah, he apparently like he donates all of his salary to something else. Yeah, and he lives a very modest Fantastic, lifestyle. Yeah. They pride themselves on being like one of the more like the least corrupt governments in all of South America. Yeah. So fascinating. It's uh, it'll be fun. Anyways, I'm going to see my family. We'll miss weeks. you. So here, here was the thing. I, I was looking at CrossFit, and this is not like a CrossFit plug, but I just Jesus, thought it was interesting. Jesus. I was looking at CrossFit <laughs> gyms that were around where I'm going to be staying, and uh, I contacted one of the guys that owns these boxes, and he goes, and I asked him, you know, how long would it be for two weeks to to go, to go and be able to work out there? And he goes, uh, for two week, twelve classes, which amounts to two weeks, one class a day for every day other than Sunday, uh, fifty bucks, U.S. Wow. If you go to New York and try to drop into a gym, that by itself could be 40 to 50 bucks. Wow. Yeah. This is two weeks in Uruguay. Wow. So you can do your, your you can get in the, the box. Do they call it a box there or do they, they call, call it a boxio? No, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> That's the one thing I'm a little worried about. I'm not sure I'm going to understand like the, the, the CrossFit lingo down in Uruguay That's, because well, I've never heard it. That's actually interesting. I mean, it might be universal. Like, you know, like. The Jazzercise program is like a class <laughs> all over the world. No, and no. if they put on a specific song, everybody knows the routine to that song, whether you're doing it in Thailand or whether you're doing it in New York I City. Mean, no, so the so movement, maybe it's like that. So the movements are going to be the same. But when it comes to explaining what we're actually doing, yeah. I might not have any idea until I actually see it. I'm looking forward to so, hearing back about your uh, CrossFit adventures. We'll see. So, well, we'll miss you, man. And we're still going to do the podcast when you're gone, Sam and I. Um, I'm going to we'll, try to we'll check out a Peñarol, Peñarol match. Oh, yeah, of course. Try to see some of local course. soccer. Danubio, maybe. he got all kinds of good good football down there. Nacional? Nacional? If I, if I can see Peñarol, That's a Luis Nacional. Suarez club, right? Is Nacional? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I believe no, so. is it? Yeah, I think so. If I can see a Peñarol Nacional game, I'd, I'd be Oh, that would be awesome. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Okay. I have no idea what side of the fence my family's on, though. Really? Like, I don't know what they... I think one, I think one of my cousins is Nacional. I think everyone else is Peñarol. Okay. But I don't really know. This was 20 years ago when I had this conversation with them last. So. <laughs> They're gonna, if you get it wrong, they we'll are going see. to be mighty upset with we'll you. See. Yes, it was Nacional, Nacional where Luis okay. Suarez came from. Mm-hmm. So that'd be fun. That'd be cool. I'm a saying yeah, in, awesome. in what's called the Old City, which is like right in the heart of the more touristy spot of, of, of Montevideo. Uh, the person I'm staying with, and I hate this, but I have no idea how I'm related to her. You have a big family, or uh, it's not like, even that big. Mm. I just don't know how we're related to her. I think she's my mom's cousin. Okay, and in the in, in Hispanic families, this kind of cross, this kind of like not weird crossover, but my mom's cousin all of a sudden becomes my aunt or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's how mm-hmm. that sort of works. Okay, gotcha. Confusing, um, but okay. Well, it just for for lack of like, I'm not going to call her. She would technically be what my second cousin. Yeah. So you just go. No, I like that. Yeah, yeah. So you just go with that. You just go yeah, with aunt. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm staying with her. She lives in the middle of what's called the old city and, um, very excited to see how that works out for me. Yeah. That sounds like a blast. Lots of meat. Lots Lots of meat, meat. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing all about that. I'm really looking forward. The food you're going to, supposedly you're going to go work out. We'll see. And then hopefully your family. I I, I have to, otherwise I'm going to come back 400 pounds. Okay. Like that's that's I'm gonna eat. Let's the make only sure. The reason I'm going is because I I'm going to CrossFit while I'm there is because I'm going to eat so much. Turn it into muscle, man. It's not that I'm gonna balance it out. It's that I'm gonna I'm gonna balance it out just enough so that it's not. I got you. That big of a deal when I get back. Well, let's make sure you come back not 400 pounds and also alive. So let's make sure we don't call it 
Uruguay, Uruguay, no Uruguay. and uh, and make sure you know who is Peñarol, who is Nacional, uh, before discussing with your family members, or I tend to think you might not make it back. Walk into the stadium. And then we can't use this studio anymore. Which one's Peñarol? <laughs> oh, that, you could pull funny. it off. You could pull oh, yeah. it off. You could be that guy. All right. Um, that's the bit of personal news from me. Now we got to rip apart VAR. We're starting with VAR. We wow. got to start with VAR. We got to start with the hot stuff. We're all excited about Atlanta United and what they did in the U.S. Open Cup, and we'll talk about that. We're all excited about the, oh, what the God. U.S. Women did um, in the World Cup today. We're all excited about that. Yeah, I am. But what I'm not excited about More is VAR. And so in this one, you're going to play the defendant because you're the defender of VAR. Okay. And I'm going to okay. play. All right, fine. I'm going to play the the prosecutor, I guess. Okay. Ready to throw VAR into soccer jail okay. for all time. For all time. All wow, time. That just seems no excessive. No probation. That seems excessive. 75 to eternity. Jail is about reform, Eric. It's not about just. There's no reforming. To reform. There's no reforming. There's no reforming, There's no reforming VAR. VAR. Okay, you, you, go, go ahead with your, your incorrect point. Here's my oh. deal. Yeah. And specifically when we're talking about uh, these these calls about goalkeepers coming off their line. And that's specific- Reviewing the penalties. Right, that's specifically yeah. what I'm talking about in, in, in right now. B- before VAR, we didn't have a ref. Well, we were supposed to have a ref specifically looking at a goalie coming off her line. Mm-hmm. And it, it, those movements were so minimal that either they weren't noticed or they weren't a big enough deal to where the, the AR would raise the flag and say, hey, she's off her line, all that stuff. Now, because you have so many eyes and you have replay upstairs, you're able to notice those things. So this is, this is the equivalent of a robot officiating the game. Mm-hmm. It, it's a robot would pay attention to everything and would, would, would apply the rule, letter, would apply the letter of the law to the match. And if you look at the letter of the law, these goalkeepers are absolutely coming off their line. But all of us, 90% of us, are looking at these movements uh, from the goalkeepers and thinking they're they're literally taking a step. Sure, it is forward. They're taking a step to start their dive. They're they're they're, they're using their foot. They're planting a foot to start their dive, which is not to, to 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 think they wouldn't at least step off the line just a smidge is kind of nonsense to me. Anyways, those are being called by the letter of the law. In the women's World Cup. In the women's World Cup. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't like the fact that whatever whatever's going on now is being essentially tested with the women's World Cup. I think that's yep. completely unfair. Yep. Especially since you haven't. I didn't. I had no idea this was even going to be happening. That they were going to be applying this specific rule to the women's World Cup. I don't know if the women were told. I don't know if they're always told, and they're just like they kind of brushed it off. Like, sure, we've been told that a million times before, but it's unfair to the women. Uh, for this to be tested right now, because the World Cup is the big, uh, you test it in the She Believes Cup. I don't care. Do it. Do it in another tournament. Doesn't that doesn't matter nearly as much as the World Cup, because you're costing you're costing teams their World Cup. Scotland, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah, it costs them their World Cup. Yep. The other thing I, I don't like about cost Jamaica big time as well. Yeah, the other yeah. thing I don't like about it is is that even on uh, in the case of Scotland and Argentina, you've got a a, a blatant miss. The ball's not even on frame when it's hit. Mm-hmm. And that's still being called. The goalkeeper's still being called for being off her line, and they're allowed to retake the kick. Yep. That, to me, is too much, and and, and th- that alone, to me, is is I just had enough of VAR. 
between that, so that's and, it. <laughs> and the way the way offsides are called now, I'm oh, just God. I've had enough of it. I've had enough of it. I get what they're trying to do, but I like the idea of of making a call, sticking with that call. I understand that a lot of the times they're going to go against your team, they're going to go for your team. But we we we've never it's never been bad enough to where we need a revolution in this game. And so I'm at the point now where VAR is it's it's so it's been fun. <laughs> it's not been fun. I don't know. I think it's helped Atlanta fun. at times. It's 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 hurt Atlanta at times. I'm ready to okay. say forget it. So let's try to divide this into two parts. First of all, uh, what Eric's talking about, I couldn't agree more. You know, you know the the rule is which has changed slightly now, which they've mentioned on television quite a bit, is that on a penalty kick, the goalkeeper can have one foot remain on the goal line as they come out to cut off the angle when the, when the kick is taken. So not only is that's impossible to really do without every now and then having your foot a quarter inch off the goal line, period. And I believe uh, at the World Cup last summer, the Men's World Cup, I think it was like, and they did not use VAR for these situations, but I think it was like 15 of 19 penalties, a keeper technically broke that rule. So it shows you it's impossible to police. So the solution is not abandon VAR. It's what the Premier League came out and said today and said, we're not going to review keepers coming off their lines on penalty kicks, and the referees should do a better job of calling them more blatant offenses because with coming off your line, you have to call those quarter inches off your line. We are really not gaining an advantage. You know, if you have your back foot a quarter, tenth of an inch of an inch off the line, you're not gaining an advantage, but you can't turn back and look at your foot and say, oh, it's still on the line. You know, you can't as a goalkeeper restrict your reactions because you're thinking about your back foot being on the line. So you can't police it. Um, this is something that referees should be calling in real time more often. Quite a few just simply haven't had the stones, you know, when a keeper comes just blatantly off his line uh, or her line and, and makes a save. So this is something I'd say number one. Let's say the officials need to do a better job of calling it, although they claimed at the World Cup in, uh, in Russia, the Men's World Cup last summer, they were going to do a better job of officiating and didn't, uh, that specific rule, which might be why it's been u- used for VAR in the first place. But the way you solve this is simple, because everyone's looking at this one example, basically loophole in VAR. Why should we abandon the system altogether because it doesn't work in this specific instance? Just don't review the keeper <laughs> coming off their line on penalties. That's all it is. So I don't understand why every time we have a VAR discussion, and yes, it's new, so there are implementation issues. Uh, there is always going to be contra- controversy with the subjective and interpretive nature of calls in soccer. Why are we calling to abandon the system? Why are you calling Eric to abandon the system altogether because there's a loophole with respect to goalkeepers coming off their line? Just don't review that portion. Just I, don't review that specific play. My problem is, well, what I like about the pre-VAR era was that you still had one way or the other you mm-hmm. just had that passion and that's been taken away yeah there's no passion left no i'm not saying there's no passion these away. people are out, no, you're out I'm of not control saying, i'm not saying there's no passion left anymore the hyperbole police are anti-var the hyperbole what i'm saying is that you, you take away that moment for the goal score you take mm-hmm. away that sure. moment for for the finality of yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you take that away I, I i like the idea of of I'm okay with the idea of human error. I understand it's a human sport. At the end of the day, I know, personally, I know, I know some people have a hard time with this. I know that soccer is just a game and it's not going to change the course of history mm. politically or, or medically or, or <laughs> uh, you know, socially. It's just a game. 
Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, no one deserves to die after a game. No one deserves to, to you know. Did you see what Breck Shea did? The, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's, it's look, the only, the only way I'm okay with this is if, is if FIFA decides, okay, we understand that there are problems with VAR. We have to go back and change the entire rule book. Not, not the law, like uh, actually how the laws are written. Adjust, adjust the mm-hmm. way that we're going to use VAR. We're not going to just, here's VAR, here's the rule book, go. We're not going to do that moving forward. We're going to uh, look at the mistakes over the last, what, two years now? Mm-hmm. That VAR has been implemented yep, in one way, in one league or another. And we're going to look at every, well, the bigger controversial cases and see how we can have this not happen on a regular basis. I got. we got to find a way to shorten this. Is it happening on a regular basis? It's happening enough that we're talking Is about it. Is it? Well, that's because this World Cup you alone, ridiculous anti-VAR people look for a controversy, whether it be in the Vietnamese League or in the Women's World Cup, and say, this is why we can't have VAR altogether. This is why we can't have nice things. There's always going to be controversy. There's always going to be issues implementing a completely brand new system. And you're right, Eric, maybe some of that has to do with tweaking the laws, which were not written uh, sure, with yeah. respect to instant replay. And I'm okay with that idea. If that's, if that's what my problem with that is that it's going to take five, six, seven, eight, ten years for that well, to happen, I mean, but this it's going to take so long for that to happen that mm-hmm. by the time it does happen, it's like, why didn't we do this ten years ago? Why didn't we do this when we first put VAR out? I mean, I don't think it's going to take, take eight, ten years. I don't. They think haven't it's done take it in that long. two and a half. But three. I think the reality is, there's always going to be controversy. There's always going to be controversy. There is a subjective nature to making calls in soccer. So sometimes when a referee sees particular, like like a potential red card challenge. Some referees might deem that as a clear and obvious, you know, the, the, the VAR themselves simply has to ascertain, all right, do we have a potential clear and obvious error there? But once the head referee comes and looks at it, there's subjectivity to su- certain calls, you know, particularly like potential reds and things like that. There's not subjectivity to things like offside and whatnot. So there's always going to be controversy. Hopefully, it's not so much with the implementation of it. Uh, and, and, and hopefully not so much with calls being incorrectly made after looking at the replay, Ismail Elfath, uh, and <laughs> many other MLS refs. But I, 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 just, I, just don't under, I just don't I just don't understand you people. I just don't understand. Why are you saying let's abandon what do you, mean, you people? You, yeah, you <laughs> anti-VAR people. You should hear the, these people on their high horse. Oh, it's ruining the sanctity of the game, and it's no, give, no. See, I don't give think me that. A I don't break. think that. It, but it's it is fundamentally changing the way the the, the game is being refereed. It's it's fundamentally mm-hmm. changing uh, the, the offside rule, not the offside rule itself, but how it's being called, how it's how essentially you're sure. allowing everything to get played out, and and. Then Not we'll everything. See. see, he's exaggerating and, and, and using 90, hyperbole again. 90%, 90% of the time, it's Come everything. Come on. It's everything. It's it, Let's just let it play out, even if it's obvious. I tell you. I man. saw it the other day with Cavani, and, and I don't. he he must have been three feet offside. Mm-hmm. And it was obvious. We were watching on TV, and it was obvious. And they waited for the entire play to run out, even though they all knew Cavani stopped. Luis Suarez stopped because they thought it's going to get called. When they didn't right. get called, they went through with it, and I don't even know what the result. What you're was. talking about is how right the the AR waits. Uh, if they waits. don't know, they let yeah. the whole play go through, and then sometimes they'll flag because when you go to the VAR, you want to have a decision made to review. Right. I mean, whatever, man. I, I just look. What do you want from VAR? If 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 you, I I totally understand. Uh, I want. I think I want it limited to specific things that are. Either it is or it isn't. So if we go back to the goalkeeping, if they're off the line, if if, if that's how you're going to call it from now on, fine. I don't want any any mm-hmm. any any variation of 
of that from now on. And that's in what, the women's game, in the men's but, game, in in uh, in league play, right. in international play. I want if the if the goalkeeper is a centimeter off the line, I want that called every time. Right. I want the uniformity. Sadly, that sadly that's basically the precedent that's been set, right? Is right. is uh, and that's why they need to n- just avoid using VAR for that call altogether. It's one hundred percent not fair for for the women, though. That's that. I think we can all agree. Well, the ridiculous part of this, and we're seeing issues, a lot of issues with VAR in the women's World Cup. We have we didn't see last summer, and I think the main thing is a lot of these referees are using it for the first time. Yeah. You know, with the men's World Cup, they tested it the summer before in Confederations Cup. They had say uh, Mark Geiger was one of the top VAR guys at the World Cup. He had used it quite a bit in MLS. For for these referees in the women's World Cup, uh, and may, someone correct me if I'm wrong with respect to the VAR folks themselves, but there has been no time to test this at all for the with respect to the women's world cup in the women's game this is the first time that it's really been implemented so you're seeing a lot of issues in terms of things taking too long i think i mean i think the call on the u.s women's national team that uh onside on the on the tobin heath i guess it was an own goal the second goal i thought that came from an offside and i thought the referee just missed it it went to var and i thought the referee just missed it so you're seeing extreme issues with uh with people, I think using this for the very first time. Um, so, so, so. I mean, again, you'll always see a difference between the top referees, experienced referees using VAR, and inexperienced referees, uh, like in the Women's World Cup. So, I mean, it, they've basically used this as a way to test out rules, like like the coming off the line rule, to say, well, let's see if we can use this in men's tournaments in the future, and that's totally unfair, to use a World Cup as kind of your guinea pig for certain ways to use VAR. You know, use it in Confederations Cup. Um, You could use it in the the She Believes Cup, you know, if you want to use it on the women's side. There are other tournaments that you can use it in. So a big part of, aside from the anti-VAR people running amok like usual, a big part of this is... Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Sorry. Relax, bro. It's ruining the emotion of the game. Look at you. Those ratings are way down, (laughs) y'all. But... um, no, but 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 I think the reason it's really really looking bad during the Women's World Cup is because you have people using it for the first time, and and we saw similar things when it was used for the first time on the men's side when they were first implementing it in MLS. There were some oh, yeah, absolute no, disasters. Yeah. Even going back, I think to when it was implemented at the Confederations Cup. For I think that was the first time I saw it used. There were some issues. So a lot of the problems you're having. Uh, right now in France are part and parcel with people using the system for the first time. And I don't think because VAR in general is a flawed system. So I'm not 100% sure. Maybe it's just a, a logistical thing. I don't know why it's not being used, why it is being used in Copa America, but not in the Gold Cup. That seems strange <laughs> to me. Um, it's either, well, it's CONCACAF's either, it, look, always it's behind. E- I was going to say, it's either strange or they just want to keep the concacaf nature of the Gold Cup. I think they're a little afraid to, maybe, yeah. Maybe. yeah. Um, it's going to the Premier League next year. Yep. I'm very excited to see how that goes. <laughs> I tell you, there's going to be... I'm very excited yeah. to see how that goes. Because if it's called to say... And look, I, I my expectation is, is that it's going to be called much better, much better, miles miles away from what it was called in MLS the first year. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be implemented and used much better than, than it still is in yeah. MLS. Well, these are better referees. Right. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to have... They understand they're on, they're on, they're on the world stage... I would argue sometimes more than 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 anything else, even the World Cup itself. Premiership, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So that being said, they know that they have a million billions, a billion eyes on them at all times, mm-hmm. and so one little mistake 
with VAR or if it's not implemented the right way. Mm-hmm. And sure, there are going to be some issues, but I think that those issues are going to be much more, much, much more minor than than what we saw in MLS. And there will still be controversy. I mean, oh, sure. I mean, and, sure. and that's that's one of the things that I think people aren't realizing is the VAR's implementation was not to remove controversy from the game. Um, and it's it's simply there to get important calls correct more often, and that's exactly what it's done. Now, I understand the other side of it. Uh, again, I think it's a little a little bit uh, much with the hyperbole for me, but I do understand as a fan, it's different. It changes. It doesn't remove the emotion. It changes the emotion. It you know it's different when you score a goal. But I, I mean. But 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 just spare me. The, they need to get rid of VAR because it's it's because it's reviewing things it shouldn't. Look, the system can be tweaked and improved, and its goal is merely to get more calls right, and it's doing that. So if you don't care about that and you care more about, like you were saying, Eric, the final emotion of scoring a goal or, or something like that, I understand. But just I, just a, spare I'm, me I'm that a, it's a, making calls worse because it's not. I'm I'm just okay with human error. But there's but see I don't get this right and then they go to VAR and the because, person because, watching VAR makes a human error and all these anti-VAR people are like oh god how? And the, but then they want human error like how can you can't have it both it, ways it just it just it just feels like half the time that we that VAR is used mm-hmm. it's like the human error is doubled yeah but that's but you're just thinking that that's not true the day, there's there's clear 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 data on this it's like 98% of the calls are correct except Ismail Alfaf and you know a few MLS referees who don't understand what's going on I mean, so I mean, like, just you know, this is good. you're killing, you're killing, you're killing me, man. It's either that or I just need to go fast. Anyways, my dad. No, said, I get my, it. My, my dad said it was straight poop. So I that, get it. That, to me, I that was it. the final word. I get it. I get it. I just, I just can't live with this pulling isolated incidents of it, of it being implemented correctly by the people using it, and then saying, oh, but it removes all human error. And then there's human error using VAR, and everyone's like, oh, well, why doesn't get every call right? So I'm not. I, I'm not just no, a, but I'm not saying it removes all human error. I, what I'm saying is that I'm, I was okay with with decisions being uh, the whatever mm-hmm. bad decisions being the fault of human error. Either they're in a, in a bad position or uh, uh, and that still occurs. It, it wasn't offside or whatever. Well, I'm not a, with offside, but I, yeah. whatever. But, but you know what mm-hmm. I mean. The, the calls that 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 are wrong due to human error mm-hmm. for whatever reason. I was okay. I can live with those because I, there's no one to blame after that. Mm-hmm. It's just. The ref sucked. Well, you blame the referee. I mean, but now we still blame the ref, and we have VAR. It doesn't seem like, at least from from my perspective, yes. not looking at the statistics, it, it seems as though we're in a, right. in the same, if not a worse place than we were before VAR. Well, that's just because you're on Twitter, and all of our friends are like, "Oh my God, the oh, football I love is dead." You know, you know, I'm the most objective person. You know, yeah, right. When it comes to Atlanta United, when it comes to Tata Martino, ninety nine percent to stay. <laughs> you know that I'm one of the more no, objective, objective people. I know. Yeah, I wouldn't just be saying this. I know. I know, I know, I know what you're reading online, but I'm telling you, most usually, if we sit here and talk about controversy with VAR, there's always controversy, but usually the call is right, or at least there's an explanation for what the referee thought, and 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 that's what it's there for. So controversy stays around, yes, because you know, Eric, like you and I might see something, and we both might. Think I might think that's a clear and obvious red, and you might not. There is a subjective sure, nature yeah. to that. The same thing happens with an MLS, MLS ref, or whoever ref goes and, and looks at the screen on VAR. So there's still an element of, of <clears throat> excuse me, of subjectivity to this. And VAR only reviews what would you say five percent of the calls made in the yeah, match anyway. Sure. So it's not like it's taking away the referee's ability to set the tone of the match and all that. Um, yeah, I I I, to- I, to- I totally understand what you're saying here. <laughs> I totally. But again, I just. 
there is so much just nauseating hyperbole about the emotion and purity of the game and just I can't, I can't handle it. I can't handle it. I still love watching soccer. I don't right. know about you. Speaking of getting it right, getting it right uh, Frank DeBoer got it well, right. Well, let's talk about the U.S. Women's National Team first. All right. Okay? Because I, I don't want to just talk about VAR and not give credit to, um, you know, last week I felt, you know, obviously I was very critical of them, but I think they've been fantastic. And I thought they played really well today against Sweden. Um, hopefully I'm eating some serious crow because coming into this tournament I was really thinking uh, the type of uh, the type of soccer uh, the U.S. Women's National Team played is going to lag behind some of the other nations as they've started to take their developmental uh, processes seriously. I mean, watching them play these three matches, and granted, it's not the best of competition, but Sweden is a solid side, although they did rest, uh, I think, seven starters today. That was tactical, right? They didn't yeah. want to play France the next Well, round? it will be Spain. It will be Spain, Spain yeah. and quarterfinals will be France now uh, for the United States, assuming that they win their round of 16 match, and I can't remember who that's against. So that's setting up a doozy of a matchup, but so is it really revenge based on what happened at um, on France? No, 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 against Sweden. Oh, based on uh, based on the last. Yeah, no, I don't. I was, was going to so. say, it's like I, that they, they they built it up on the on the in the in the pregame as if this was like some kind of revenge match, and I was like, is it really? Yeah, not I didn't really. get that feeling. I didn't get that feeling. Not on the field, no, not from the players. I mean, at all. certainly. I mean, and but there was some a little bit of smack talking heading into it. Um, but I thought, uh, you know, U.S. Women's National Team, fantastic. They score early off a set piece and just kind of boss the game from there on out. So I'm definitely seeing a side of this team that maybe we didn't see in the lead up. Obviously, they can score goals. Obviously, they're as good as anyone in the tournament, but. Like I said, Eric, you're starting to see them play with a creativity, I think a technical side of their game that they're going to really need to match an opponent like Spain, to match an opponent like France, because these sides, and, and this is how much the women's game has improved over the last decade or so, they have a system, you know, and they, uh, they, they play tactically, they knock the ball around. That's something the U.S. men's national team has obviously struggled a lot with in the past. And I think there are reasons to believe that the women's team might struggle with it too, because the developmental process is in the U.S. that we feel hinder creativity uh, in terms of exclusivity of the game, uh, college soccer being used as a primary yeah. development point. Um, things like that, I think, hold back creativity, and that's something we've talked a lot about on the men's side. I felt in this World Cup, you're going to see that start to happen on the women's side, and it still might, where I think the U.S. women I feel like it's, it's, lack that creativity, creative yeah. nature in the final third that other countries have. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I hope they prove me wrong, and certainly they're well on their way to doing so. So I, I think that the, the the world is kind of creeping up. I think it's a little slower than I think you thought. Yeah, because agreed. it's clear that, that totally agree with you that the competition for U.S. Men, U.S. Women's National Team is it's it's gotten the competition at least has gotten better. It's not as good as the U.S. Women's National Team, but it's definitely gotten better with respect to the teams that may, that that you know aren't aren't the. You know the juggernauts of the U.S. women's game, totally, or the the women's soccer game. Yeah, it's definitely gotten a little bit better, and I think over the mm-hmm. next ten years or so, you're going to see. I think you are going to get to that point where the U.S. women's national team isn't the 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 favorite going into, or even just there's not two or three huge favorites. It's you know five, yeah, six, exactly. seven, eight teams that could possibly. It's more win. like the men's game as opposed to. Perhaps even more competitive. We'll see them in the men's game top to bottom. So, yeah, I mean, I've been loving the tournament, man. I thought that the Scotland-Argentina game was fantastic. Gosh, that was had me on edge. Uh, Although, again... I was so upset. A referee completely, completely out of her depth. I mean, I couldn't, still can't believe that 
basically you had eight minutes of extra stoppage created from all the VAR controversy we've kind of touched on a little bit, and then you only add one extra minute of stoppage yeah. time was was shocking. But I think it's been fantastic. You're right, though, Eric. I mean, there's still, when you watch a Thailand, when you watch a Jamaica, when you watch a Chile, you know, when you watch some of the minnows, and it, it's, it, it's, it's not the fault of the players. It's the fault of the federation for not putting more money into it and sure. developing players yeah. better because you can see the the – the base of talent there. It just hasn't been honed enough. But I still I mean, think when you watch the teams towards the bottom, that's where you can see there's still a really there's there's still a really, really big imbalance. And only until that uh is kind of narrowed a little bit do I think uh the women's game will be where it wants to be. That being said, I think it's well, well, well on its way if you look at how far it's come in the last decade or so. It's tough just because when you get to if you look at the the men's game and the women's game Put aside. I mean, you can even include the World Cup, but I would almost say put it aside. When you look at like the level of attendance, the level of, of viewership, typically for the women, that's down. It's it's there's typically more viewership, more activity, mm-hmm. more. Um, and don't just look at the ratings. I'm not talking about just the ratings. I'm talking about just just the 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 hype, the the mm-hmm. again the, the the social media presence, the the, uh, the the different kind of programming. It's always more elevated for the men. And that's not the fault of the women. That's just kind of the well. Un- the men's World un- Cup's been around for unfair nature of the beast, if you want to call it that. And but, also, just I mean, sixty more years of sure, men's yeah. World Cup. There's more precedent. But there as more. you as you go down to as you go as you kind of take more than sixty years uh, as you go down the kind of the levels of 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 uh, of countries that that have women's soccer. And I'm, I'm not talking about the mm-hmm. U.S., the Swedens, the France. I'm talking mm-hmm. the Spains. I'm talking mm-hmm. about the more third world, second world countries that do have women's soccer. The lack the level of interest is even lower. Than of you course, could possibly yeah, imagine. Of course, that part that plays a big part of why mm-hmm. it's taking so long for a lot of this development to happen. Is that sure you could you could have a federation like Thailand invest all this money into it, but it's going to feel for the federation kind of a waste when no one's watching these games. And I don't when know no how much when no one's really paying attention. Yeah, Cameroon went through today. Absolutely that was awesome. brilliant. That was a beautiful awesome. game with it. With I I I, I agree. Um, it's it's a but harsh you know, way to put it, but that's the reality of the situation. It's it's the federations should, but it's tough to look to ask the federations who, whoever they are to invest all this money when there's the level of interest from the fan base right. uh, is just not. I there. think or I think it, it, it it's not as it's not it's not where it needs to be in order to to you know to to introduce sure. a level of of financial interest or financial uh, uh what what am I looking for. Commitment yeah, to, no, to help that. grow the women's game in those specific countries. But I still think, you know, let's not compare Thailand to, say, Argentina, who sure. I yeah. think, you know, I think if the women's game gets to where we both think it's going to get to, a country like Thailand is probably not qualifying for the World Cup in the first place, just like on the men's side that they, they haven't had a sniff. Um, but I looked at country like Argentina and you know they slept in the bus. Yeah, that's bad. You know down there, and it's not good. so obviously they could commit more. But also, I watch a team like that, and one of the beautiful things about international soccer is you you can really sense the culture of the way a game is played, and 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 you could see with 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 the Argentinian uh, team that they had a lot of the same traits that the men do. Obviously, not as refined sure. because of all the reasons we've talked about. But you see that creativeness there. You see that. Uh, you, you you see that kind of quintessential South American uh, way to play, so you got to invest in that because that 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 way to play specifically has won out so many times throughout history of the game. 
So you've got to invest something if you're one of those countries in South America that are flush with money. You've got the resources. In a country, big country like Argentina, you know, you should be able to develop and find enough women's footballers where you can be, you know, a really good side. I would say the same thing about Chile. Um, and, you know, Brazil, certainly in South America, is the only country uh, that has really done a good job of, of honing that talent. So I look at some I of think these. Does Mexico invest that kind of a. Mexico was surprised. Uh, no, but more than Argentina. They're not okay. sleeping in a bus. <laughs> they were actually <laughs> upset by uh, Jamaica to, to, to get to, to this World Cup, um, which was a big surprise. But, you know, when I look at some of these countries like Argentina and I see the way. Uh, I see the way those ladies battle and fight and the way they're tactically sound. And I'm thinking, man, if you just spend some money, not billions, you know, not like crazy money, but spend a little money investing and you might have a lot of success on the world stage. And that's when the, 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 the viewership increases. That's when you get more fans. And hopefully the performance of these countries in this World Cup, not even that they were like amazing, but hopefully turned enough heads to realize, hey, if we put some money into this, we can have a pretty solid little program. So we'll see what happens. I've, I've loved watching it. It's been a great tournament so far. Lindsey Horan with the goal in the uh, third minute uh, for the U.S. women's national team. And then you have an own goal. You have an own goal. Yes. Off the foot of Tobin Heath. Yes. And it was an own goal. So for I, See, I saw it three or four times. And, I, and at first I was like, oh, that was a pretty nice goal from yeah. Tobin. And then I immediately was like, "Oh, that's an own goal." So if you look closer, <laughs> that's that. That was a yeah. that was a cross into the into six. It was a clear was cross. A shot. <laughs> it's a clear. It's a clear cross in real time. It's it's hard to kind of see, but if you look at the sideline angle, you can see she's crossing it uh, across the face of goal. But take nothing away from her. I mean, I thought it was a, uh, you know, she, her approach. She's my favorite player on the U.S. team. I mean, I love I love the way she plays, the w- way she is on the ball, and. You know, like, yeah, she got a little bit of luck there, but, you know, when you're good on the ball, you're running at a defender, you've got them on your back foot, sometimes you create your own luck. So I thought that was, you know, obviously is a well-deserved goal on the run of play, and uh, even though the the goal won't be credited to her, she she did a good job to create it. Definitely did most of the work to uh, get that going. All right. Should we talk about Atlanta United? Back to my original tease before you stepped all over it. Speaking of making good choices. Oh, sorry. Good decisions. <laughs> Frank DeBoer made a good decision. My bad, my bad. When it came to start starting Brendan Vasquez in the U.S. Open Cup, two goals Kill. for the youngster. <laughs> one in the fifth minute. The next one, uh, what sixty, the fifty something? Yeah, it's late, sometime in the yeah, second yeah. half. Yeah. I know that Atlanta United was up two before the fifteenth minute. Uh, fantastic header from. Well, I won't say fantastic, but good enough header from <laughs> Miles Robinson uh, good. on that corner. Yeah. Um, but man, to uh, get up two nothing on mm-hmm. Columbus, a team that uh, you typically haven't done. I'm not going to say you haven't done well against them, but you, you, it's it's always been a back-and-forth affair with Columbus. Mm-hmm. You never really know. It's a, always a, a tighter match than uh, than I think the scoreline typically leads you to believe, even if the score is just a one-goal one margin. This one, uh, I... I <laughs> so I started watching in the 18th minute, and I immediately tweeted out, how the hell did we score two goals? Where do these two goals come? How is it 2 nothing already? Can I tell you the responses I got on Twitter? They're not nice. I know some people said turn your television They're on. They're not nice. <laughs> well, and then uh and then uh Columbus scored a few minutes after you suddenly started watching. Yeah. Hashtag blame Eric. I got not today from Jenna. Go back to whatever you were doing. Who said that? Uh at TJ Tiguin. Oh, TCG. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, yeah. It's bad, just stay away. Someone just says no. <laughs> Someone says we're winning, turn the TV off now. Uh, That's like six replies. Chris Blankenship, awful, would not watch. Michael Buckaloo says, not today. Wow. 
Well, at least the people five stripe, know. Five stripe stunner. Go watch U.S. Men's National Team. <laughs> Adam, don't do that to Eric. Tell him to watch something other than U.S. Men's National Team, Sean, please. Sean Mack with the, with the tweet of the night. Eric, we love you. Therefore, we don't want to kill you, so turn the TV off. Crack open a good book and please enjoy the rest of your evening. I must insist on this. What a guy. Go away, Eric. We can't afford your jinx tonight. <laughs> This is this is like ten replies. Sean, after the first after the Columbus goal, Sean Mack sends me a picture of uh, Kevin McCauley pumping a shotgun. <laughs> well, no, I mean, uh, what a surprise! That well, I'm glad that the people if we if TC, we've taught you anything on this podcast, hashtag blame Eric. TCG does math in his head. Yup, checks out. Hashtag blame Eric. <laughs> uh, that's great. I didn't realize it had that many responses. I mean, it was, it was, I, thank God it started raining or Columbus like would have come six, back. After the sixth one, I just, I just sent a, some kind of gif of, of like Patrick from SpongeBob. I saw like, a few replies. I didn't realize it was that crying. widespread. I was a little wow. upset. You well, guys are, you guys are mean. Well, despite Eric uh, trying to ruin the result, fortunately, Atlanta United pulled it out. Shocking. It starts pouring down rain again in the second half. Um, I was, I was convinced after the Vasquez goal, Vasquez goal I was like, they got to call this. Yeah, they got to call this. There's no, there's no reason to play the last 15 minutes. Yeah, but it cleared up a little second, bit. But that second Bra- uh, Vasquez goal, I thought was pretty impressive. I think he was for, passing. What you think? Oh, no, I no, thought no, no, yeah. for sure, for sure, that was a lucky bounce yeah. from either the, the the water spot or, or the goalkeeper's finger or something like that. But to get around the defender, fantastic, did, meet him in line, awesome. um, especially in those kind of super wet conditions. Um, I, I just, I, I'm not saying he's a starter. I don't think he should be a starter, but. I think he's certainly put himself in a place to start over or to to sub in before Mario Williams at this point. Well, and that's the thing though is you're looking at because you next don't get, week you don't get anything like that out of Mario Williams. And you're looking at next week you're playing Toronto and Joseph Martinez will still be with Venezuela, yeah, in the Copa America. Unless they're they send people home after the after the group yeah, stage. so because he hasn't played a minute yet. He played ten minutes ten in the minutes. last match, but uh, you so uh. Brandon Vasquez might be starting next week. So I think that, that I'm glad you brought that up, Eric, because if there's one thing, and this has been such a weird time in the season where you're playing two U.S. Open Cup matches and no league matches over the better part of a month or so, but if we can take one thing from these two matches, it's, it's, it's first of all that I think Vasquez has moved above Romario Williams in the pecking order, which was shown by him just starting that match yeah. in the first mm-hmm. place after uh, Romario had started the previous so match I, against Charleston. I, I think that... Frank DeBoer had kind of had enough of Romario Williams. I think that, I don't know that Brandon Vasquez maybe, I don't know. That, look, I, he made the most of the opportunity, and mm-hmm. what I'm going to say is pretty harsh. I don't want it to, I, I don't mean to sound as harsh, but I think Romario Williams lost his opportunity, yeah. and Brandon Vasquez took advantage of, I agree. The, of the opportunity. No, I wholeheartedly agree. And, you know, one thing we've talked a little bit about is if there's one area you don't have a lot of depth, it's at the striker position where we're, we, Previous to this show, or at least previous to what Brandon Vasquez showed in the last two USOC matches, we would have said, I think I'd put Tito Vijalba up there before I put Romario or Brandon Vasquez. Maybe Vasquez has staked his claim a little bit more to, to being a, a true backup number nine. Yeah. And good for him because that's a player that, I, me personally, I'd more or less written him off. I mean, he that's wasn't right. even getting into the 18. He'd performed really poorly when we'd seen him. So this is a huge, huge couple matches for him in terms of getting back uh, moving back up the pecking order and trying to be a part of the rotation. And, um, yeah, I mean, he was great. Obviously, not the best defending on both goals, but Not the best goalkeeping well. either. Yeah. Um, I thought, it, look, it was tough. Given the conditions, it was tough. 
look, I, I don't care how it happens. These are these these are these matches where I'm not really sure. I I I'm not gonna criticize Guzano that much because one it was because oh you're not gonna sp- criticize him on the second goal specifically on the con- yeah. So I'm just saying it's tough. Oh, the conditions, it's bad though, I understand. Mate. I understand. But no, in my opinion, no harm, no foul. Because we advance, oh, for we go sure. on to the next stage. It's it's just survive as as long as you can this in this uh, tournament. I'm I'm okay. You want to look make make the mistakes in these matches that you still move on from, and you can still live another day to to play St. Louis FC. Hopefully, you get past them. You get to the semifinals. You know, once you get to that point, then you're then you're starting to. You know those are going to hurt a lot more. But this, even had we lost, I'd been like, all right, well, rainy conditions. Columbus does it to us again. Mm-hmm. Like it, the narrative d- had, didn't really change. It's it's it would have been tough, but it, it wouldn't have hurt as much as it would have uh, in, in an MLS match or or later in this tournament. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. You know, Guzan has proven time and time and again that he belongs on this team. That he he's a a a one of the one of the top goalkeepers in MLS. I'm not going to say the top goalkeeper, but one of the top goalkeepers in MLS. Um, and more often than not, he's not making those mistakes. Yeah, I mean, sure, uh, he's got a he's got a he's got a bad mistake every now and then. But more often than not, he's a a solid goalkeeper yeah. uh, that you absolutely want starting on this team. Yeah, I mean, if you play a lot of games in goal, you're going to make some mistakes. So I mean, that that's simple. I, I I thought that error was really bad, though. In my opinion, it was it was it was wet, but that wasn't going on goal. He should have done better. Um, what about the first goal for Columbus? Because I know some Darlington Agby was down I, look, injured at the time. I, I said this on the radio show. I don't know that if I'm a Columbus player. Okay, look, this is I'm taking a step back. I'm removing my Atlanta United hat. Oh, I thought you were objective. I, I am. Oh. That's what I'm saying. I'm removing oh, the Atlanta okay. United so hat. You're becoming objective as you. I'm stepping back. Your hat. I see. I, I'm 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 going to be the the objective. The what did I call it the other day? Hmm? I'm going to give you the objective perspective here objective perspective. on the podcast. I probably would have done the same thing. Yeah. Because I know Nagby's <laughs> fine. I know as a player, Nagby's fine. Yeah, I... Uh, because I, I know as soon as I kick the ball out, Nagby's going to stand up, he's going to walk, and he's going to be perfectly fine. I mean, and it turns out he played the rest of the game, so what as, really happened? As, and even aside from that, I think, you know, it's it's the referee's job to blow that, blow that play dead. Um, like you said, Eric, it wasn't like a serious it didn't look like a serious injury which by the way it's also the referee's job to stop play if he thinks this player needs attention immediately or if it's a head sure. injury so I, th- I I thought Columbus did it, it kind of sucked because basically uh was it was it Harrison awful that scored the goal I have to look back and see who scored the goal but it was basically Darlington Nagby's mark yeah you know he kind of ran around him to the top of the box when he was when he was lying on the ground and uh, and that, was, so so I say that about Nagby on the ground and 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 the objective perspective. Uh, but David Akam, Akam scored the goal. My bad. It, you know I would have reacted the same way Barco did after that goal. So I would have that done the I same. Loved. I would have done the same thing Columbus did. I will. I would also have reacted the same way Barco did yeah. after that goal because I would have wanted to be like, look, bro. You, there's certain unwritten rules, and I know Jay's going to hate the fact that we're talking about unwritten rules. I, I love. I, I want to go back and see what his perspective is about uh, Jay Riddle, because oh that's an unwritten rule. And if, and I just I saw him tweet a couple days ago about uh, show me he the unwritten rule. He loves book. unwritten rules. Yeah, right. So how I, can you I, show I him love, a rule book that's love, unwritten? I would love to see what he said about. If it's this. not written, how can I show it to you? But uh, uh, but no, there is. I mean, there is a certain uh, if you want to call it gentlemanly or, or or sportsmanship aspect of the game that would be don't. You don't really you don't score with a player down right yeah. in front of the box, but that's look, I, you, you, you know what these players do more often than not, and it's usually buying time. It's usually a, a, a ploy to get the referee to stop play. That's why they changed the rule. 
Yeah. Well, they didn't change it. That's why they said, look, the referee is the one to blow it dead. The teams have no reason to to kick the ball out. Yes. You know, so so I had no issue at all with what they did. I don't like it. It didn't cost us anything. I ultimately don't care that much yeah. about it. And the reason, again, they changed that is because you had players just I, I remember this can, kind of came to a head, I think, in the 98 or 2002 World Cup, literally just flopping on the ground and rolling around as the other team was yeah. attacking, particularly like if they lost it and the other team went encountered, and then they kicked the ball out. So, the, the, like you, to your point, Eric, the reason that this uh, the rule is interpreted this way and they've emphasized it this way is specifically for that reason you mentioned is players are going down and, and faking it. And well, now it's up to my, the referee to determine whether it's a, it's a serious enough injury to stop play. And there's also little, uh, as far as unwritten rules go, if one team kicks the ball out uh, in that scenario, then later in the match, if the same thing happens the other way around, the other team is expected to kick sure. the ball out. That was not the case here. I I <laughs> I, I would rather I would rather a, pl- a team just play through it because what I would love to stop happening is stuff like this. And I know I'm. Nagby's the one that did it. I don't it in this think he case. was trying to slow down the play. No, I, I, think, I legitimately think he needed like. Yeah, he needed a few seconds. Sure. I'm not saying that, but I, I do know that he was going to pop up and he was going to walk and play the rest of the match like it yeah. was nothing. And ultimately, there was, there'd be no reason to stop the match. Yeah. And even so, as a defense, you can't switch off. That's literally why they yeah. are emphasizing the rule that way because they're saying. Defenders, I would like, don't switch off. Keep playing. Yeah, and if they kick the ball out, they kick it out. I would like for that aspect of the game to to get blown into space. What, I, the, I, uh, I would love for players to stop. I'm not gonna say not, don't stop drawing fouls. That's not what I'm talking about. But but rolling on the on the. I'm watching Argentina and Uruguay play mm-hmm. uh, over the last couple of days, and I'm seeing this constantly where they just fall on the ground. Roll over fifteen. The gamesman, the excessive gamesmanship. Like, Come on, my dad even. My dad was Suarez. My dad hates Suarez. Really? And we're a Uruguayan family. Wow. And he absolutely he thinks it's too much. It's too theatrical. It's too much. Jeez. Blah blah blah. It's too much. Jeez. You know, yelling and, um, you know, the biting is just a, a icing on the cake. But it's it's. I want that part of the game to to leave mm-hmm. because that to me is annoying. Even when Atlanta United does it, when Assad used to do it, it, it drove me absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. I hated it. Well, you know, whatever. Um, uh, so I know, I know, it's, I know. It's just kind of the culture uh, when it comes to playing soccer in South America, specifically in, in places like Argentina and Uruguay. But like, it just it's, it happens it, everywhere. It's, yeah, I know. It, yeah. But it's the aesthetics of the whole thing. It, right. it, it gives the, it gives the game a bad name across other sports, and and I just would rather it go away. Well, I love it. I love all the BS. I think it's awesome. I think it's that you can see the, the the cultural differences between players and countries and people and all that. I think it's awesome. It's up to the referee to police it. That being said, uh, and it's never going to stop. It's never going to stop. But you should watch. You should watch more women's soccer because they that are doesn't, that doesn't happen. This this it does a little, but not excessively. It all goes back to my theory that women are just generally better behaved than men. <laughs> better human beings. Just, just better humans, <laughs> better, you know, the stronger gender, whatever. <laughs> there are some calls that have happened in the Women's World Cup. If that happened in the men's game, like the, what we were just talking about with the Scotland-Argentina uh, the, the, the Scotland Argentina match where the referee failed to add on an appropriate amount of stoppage time, if that happened, there would have been a riot. I mean, the men's, and it was, instead it was two or three players yelling at the ref and then realizing, well, we can't change it. Move that on. doesn't happen with dudes. Let's go play the rest of the Too game, much testosterone. And I always thought that men generally don't accept responsibility for their actions uh, in the immediate aftermath. As uh, so, and that's another reason that you see diving, 
arguing, fighting, even though every time it's the same, right? Everyone takes their team's side, everyone takes the other team's side, and they both look stupid, right? But they cont- it continues to happen because men just can't help themselves. <laughs> they just can't help themselves, and that's why it's never going to stop. Like I said, personally, I love it. I think it's great. It's frustrating, particularly when the referee is not able to kind of control it. Um, but uh, that's definitely a difference between the men's and the women's oh, yeah. game is the general, like you said, a better human beingness of the, <laughs> of uh, the of the women's players. How did you like uh, Barco's reintroduction into the oh, team man. after uh, his the difference is on, when you compare, and you say it wasn't Atlanta's best match, and certainly you have to kind of disregard those thirty minutes or so when the pitch became waterlogged or whatever. The difference in the attack going forward with Barco in the lineup, night and day. Even playing against Charleston yeah. a week earlier, and, in, and and Andrew Carlton did a pretty decent job, but you created hardly, and I mean a little bit, but not much in the run of play. And suddenly you slide in a player like Ezekiel Barco underneath the striker, and everything comes together, even without a Joseph Martinez on the field. And that was, I mean, you could see a difference within 15, 20 minutes of a player like Barco was able to hold the ball in spaces where defenders are, are collapsing onto him. And it kind of goes along to what we've been saying the last couple of weeks is that we see PT as more of a, uh, we want you to stay in a dangerous area and we will find you in that area. Ezekiel Barco is more a player that's going to go find the ball and then progress the ball into those dangerous areas in the first place. And you saw such a difference in Atlanta, Atlanta United's ability to possess the ball in dangerous areas, penetrate in the final third. I thought he was fantastic. Prop, even down to the very end where um, DeBoer moved him up by himself the last five minutes uh, to, you know, when we're defending, which is something that Tata Martino did with Miguel Almiron. He had a huge chance. Uh, so I thought you know, his impact on the game was, was, was very, very apparent. And you're comparing it to last week when you played Charleston, who's a much weaker opponent. Uh, than Columbus and weren't able to create anything. Play a stronger opponent the next week than Columbus with a pretty much the same eleven except Barco comes in and suddenly you, you you look like a real threat going forward. Yeah, I wasn't super impressed with how the team overall played. I I, I enjoyed watching Brandon take advantage uh, advantage of the opportunities that he had. Mm-hmm. Obviously, love seeing a goal from Miles Robinson. I thought outside of those moments, and there's another aspect of Barco that I feel like is is so underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Barco played fantastic. Everyone else played just okay. As a team, at least. I'll give Vasquez, I guess. Sure. Give so him, yeah. so Vasquez, yeah. But it, had it not been for those mistakes from the goalkeeper, from the defender, from from everyone, I'll give him credit for this. Here's the thing. I'm a little weary on the second goal because it, it did look like it was, a, it, it was a pass. Yeah, it was an own goal. Um, the first one, a mistake from the defender, so... And unlucky, like I said, Nagby was Look, on the ground. I, I'm, I'm glad he took advantage of the, of the opportunities that he had. Um, consistency is a thing that I always harp on, so let's keep it up, Brandon. Um, mm-hmm. But but playing Barco, it, it 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 man, I never thought I'd be saying this, but he he's going to change this team moving forward the rest of the season. Well, he's he is this year's Almiron in the set I'm not saying he's the same as Miguel Almiron, but in the sense that the system is built around him. Yeah. The way Atlanta United want to attack is going to be built around Ezekiel Barco. The fact that and it shows in the fact that with Almiron a player that's 100 miles per hour all the time, Atlanta United last year more of, more of a direct team at times. This year you have a player in Barco and I think the possession was 50-50 in this match to be fair, although I would say the last 30 minutes with the pitch waterlogged made it different. You have a player like Barco who is a little more of a of a patient player, and it changes the whole way that you play. It's all based on how he plays underneath the striker. Can we, can we sidebar to yes. Almiron real quick? Did you see his 
He's from Paraguay. Fantastic. Oh. I thought he was the best player on the pitch last night. Oh. I thought he was the best player on the pitch for Paraguay last night. And uh, I, went, I, was, I went, I went nuts. I went nuts for him. Dude, I was. Yeah. I went, that was. I was. Well, no, I Paraguay. So, they were they were awful. sitting back and counterattacking through Almiron, and I I I, I could. I could have sat there and cried. I mean, it was like, it was like, <laughs> it was, I remember exactly what this looks like. That's, and, that's the Atlanta United I've been on. Yeah, right. I mean, it was awesome to watch him. Um, he was fantastic. Okay, uh, the underappreciated aspect of Barker, yeah. set pieces. Oh my God, yeah. There's so much better Assist with him. on the corner. There's so much better with him kicking the ball. I don't know what Pitty was doing while in, in, in Barco's absence, but my gosh, it's... He is able to hit it's the ball so, kind of like it's so much different, like more driven with a little bit more power. This is something we talked about last year when there was all these ups and downs in Barco's game and trying to figure out you know where he was effective. But the one area where we looked at the numbers and it was very clear with set pieces and how much more dangerous Atlanta United were, were on the pitch when he was taking the set pieces as opposed to anyone else. He hits a great dead ball. I totally agree with you, man, and that helps in a match like this. I mean, who knows if if it's only a one if it starts raining. And it's too, and you don't, you're not up a goal. It's very different, very, very different. And 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 so little moments like that create make things easier for you down the stretch. All right, so here is Atlanta United's schedule uh, over the next uh, few weeks. You got Toronto FC on uh, next Wednesday, the twenty sixth. Eight, eight matches in twenty six days starting yeah. next Wednesday is brutal. So you got that Wednesday game, then you got a Saturday game against Montreal, and that's here. If I'm not, yeah, that's here. Yeah. Um, that's on Saturday at 6 p.m. on the 29th. You've got uh, another game on Wednesday that you travel to uh, Chicago. That's an 8, 8, 8 o'clock game on Wednesday. Then you're back home against the Red Bulls on the 7th, four days later. Wild. Then you've got uh, St. Louis FC three days later, 7.30 on the 10th. That at 5th 3rd. At 5th 3rd. That is a, a Wednesday. That's Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, what's the 7th? Sunday, Wednesday again. Even from then, then you go Sunday on and the. Then s- you get Sunday the fourteenth. Three days later, you got to play the Houston Dynamo. Four days later, you Sounders play DC on the fourteenth. Dynamo on the seventeenth. DC on the twenty-first. Yep. And this then you is, finally get a little bit of a break to Friday for that huge showdown at LAFC. This is a. a ri- our schedule is ridiculous. ridiculous. Schedule. What is going on with our? Schedule? I was literally just about to skip. All right, who's you? Who's their next opponent? And then I saw this, and I was like, all right, we got to talk about this. Anyways, next U next U.S. Open Cup, St. Louis FC, uh, July tenth at seven thirty, fifth third. Um, it'll be interesting to see the rotation for that match. Well, I, I, here's yeah. the thing: I don't know. Mm-hmm. Do you, I mean, Red Bulls. Uh, you got to think they're gonna. That's a chance to take points away from the Red Bulls and add points to yourself to get yourself. And you're about to travel about to Seattle. That weekend, you play uh, at Seattle on Sunday, so I think you might see a heavily, heavily rotated squad, especially considering you're playing, I mean, obviously you don't want to take anyone lightly, but you're playing USL competition, so you would hope you can rest a few of those those big-time starters and, and save them for the semifinals of the US Open Cup and also for Seattle that weekend on July 14th. It's 10 games in, how, in like a month? It, it is... Like a month and a half? In my estimation, it is eight matches in 26 days. Cool. So yeah, this is where uh, Frank DeBoer is going to be really earning his money. Yeah, trying to get the most out of this these next eight matches. Uh, I'm not going to put like a point total on her. I I just I it's one of those kind of hope for the best. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Exactly. But I mean, it's it's a brutal stretch of matches. Fortunately, other than at Seattle, none of these. I guess home to DC United as well. None of these are super daunting. At Chicago, home to Montreal, uh, at Toronto won't be easy. 
um, home to the Red Bulls, you know, so who have been struggling. Um, really, the key here is you've got you've got Tito, um, you've got Guzan, you've got Nagby. Any any guys that would have been on international duty that aren't on international international duty outside of maybe Joseph Martinez. Yeah, I mean, you should have everybody. And you should have. We'll see how, we'll see how far Venezuela goes. Yeah, looks like they're gonna get out of the group, but hopefully something happens and Joseph has to come back. I, w- I wouldn't mind that, but hey, I, mind I mean, uh, I, and that's why I'm looking to that 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 game again at Toronto. Eric is who we kind of mentioned this is, uh, and we'll see. You know, truly, in a week's time, I, I truly don't think it's going to be Vasquez. How did you know what I was going to ask? I didn't even uh, because I didn't I even finish. Wow, so he's so smart. You know, when you work together with people in radio, yeah, we have that connection. Yeah, we have that just, connection. You know, it's like the mind. So you don't think? Together. So do you think it's Romario? Do you think you see Tito up there, or what? I, or? I, I I'm leaning more towards someone like Tito, mm-hmm. um, who himself is just kind of getting back fit right now. But. Yeah, I I just think that you're gonna have. I, I'm wondering, could you potentially see Pity up there? I don't well, that's the other option: is you throw a false nine up there, and that would be PT or Barco, most likely. Um, I it's going to be really interesting. I, really, I, I, it, it's a tough. It's a tough. It's just one guy you're really missing in Joseph, but but man, he's such a cog, and he's key for the the way that DeBoer wants to play tactically too. Because we've always talked about how he's dropping into the midfield and helping with build up play, helping possess the ball, helping lay it off. You know, spring other guys in behind. That's not a big part of the game of a Brandon Vasquez or a Romario Williams, or even to some extent a Tito Vijalba if you put him up there. So you're going to have issues with personnel. Like you said, DeBoer going to earn his money during the stretch. You're going to have issues with personnel. Who do you play there? And I think also with what type of system you use when you consider how essential Joseph Martinez is to the way that Frank DeBoer wants to play. And maybe that's why you look at the numbers in this Columbus match, even where you played okay and say, wow, we only had 50% possession. Maybe a big part of that is you don't have a striker. Even though Vasquez played well, he's not the type of guy that can come back, hold the ball up with his back to goal, and maintain possession of the ball. I just think if we're going to see, at least. if we're going to see a, a Atlanta United kind of the only what I would love for Tito to do if he were in this position is is spend the first sixty minutes chasing everyone on that back line. That's the thing, and that would be trying a tactical to, change, right? Yeah, trying to create yeah. something. Trying As to you play more turnover. high press, yeah. So uh, you know, because with Pity Barco and uh, with Antito, and I'm trying to think who else would be in the mix. Um, Gressel, maybe. What as 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 like a nine uh, or a, like just, a no, false just nine. attacking players that would be in positions where they would be pressing high. Yeah, that to me would definitely be, those three that, Barco. That would be a, those yeah. would be good combinations to to you know to 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 create something on on a counter or off a turnover or or you know. Keeping that pressure up on that back line is going to open this game up more. Right. And the more open it is with a guy like Tito up top, if that is the case, the better this game goes yeah. for Atlanta United. Yeah. I think. No, and 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 that's we'll we'll talk about that a ton next week as as well as is if you do that. And I think you bring up a good point, Eric. If you do that, that's changing your tactics completely. Yeah. If you're going to high press, play direct, play at pace. That's a complete. That's more Tata Martino than Frank DeBoer. But you just you just might even even if you play Romario. Uh, or Vasquez well, it, it, up top. I think you have to play a little more direct because those guys yeah. want balls into the box. I think that if you do have to pick between, if if you're not going to play Tito up top, which is a possibility, it's mm-hmm. a it's a realistic possibility. Then I think it's going to be random Vasquez. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that that to me is non question. One thing you can do, and I'm spitballing here, is uh, you go back to that three five two, and you yeah. you play. You know you we all know how it works in the back with you know whether it be 3 or 5 or whatever and Gressel would be one wing back and probably Breck Shea the other um 
But that way, you can play that out-and-out out nine in Vasquez and Romario, have a, a free player underneath, which I assume would be Barco, and that player, that was Miguel Amiron last year, can run around, receive the ball, start the counterattack, uh, even at times lead the press. And that player, because they have such freedom uh, in the way they play and so little defensive ro- responsibility, that can kind of cover up, I think, for some of the lack of improvisation in the games of a Brandon Vasquez or a Mario yeah. Williams. So that's another thing you could do is go to a three-five-two, put Barco underneath uh, Vasquez or Romario, and tell them just stay on the, the the last defender, and Barco, you run around and cover all, all the space underneath, and that kind of can allow you to still build up effectively without a Vasquez or Romario having to get on the ball in positions where they're going to be required to you know play with their back to goal and, and maintain possession in the buildup. Lastly, before we take off, and we'll talk about this next week. Next week, we'll have a show, uh, radio show on Wednesday, likely the yep. podcast on Thursday. Wednesdays at 7 p.m. on Atlanta Sports X. We will uh, uh, we'll recap the game the night before on the podcast and uh, do kind of a preview show Yeah, um, that Wednesday Yeah, uh, on the radio And show. then do a Thursday pod to recap. Yep. Yeah, um, cool. The one thing I, I did want to hit very briefly is this All-Star game. Eric loves All Star. You know I absolutely adore All Star games. Ezekiel Barco, Pity Martinez, Leandro Gonzalez Perez, Brad Guzan, all uh, announced to uh, as part of the All Star game, voted into the All Star game. Wait, I have no idea how Pity was voted into the All Star game. It's it's Pity Barco Guzan and who LGB. So Joseph Martinez didn't make it. Okay, I I. Look, I, I can't Whatever. tell you how this works. Whatever I know, it, this isn't this isn't opinion. It is opinion, but it's not opinion. This is fan vote, right? I don't know. The eleven is fan vote. Here's the thing: who the hell voted these guys in? Who are the eleven? Name the name the name the name. Do we have the the, have the, uh, the MLS All Star? I don't really care about the eleven because honestly, I don't care about anyone else other than the guys that are who 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 are the oh. idiots that voted these players in. Who? All oh, right, all oh, right. Because you, do you understand what that does, right? Because you don't want them to play, and you know. This is a meaningless game. They got to travel to Orlando. Oh, that now that's the worst part. That's There's the a risk part. that 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 Barco, Pity, LGP, and Guzan all get hurt. Who are the idiots that voted them in? Eric is very upset about this. Why? <laughs> He's very upset. And when the commissioner chooses Joseph Martinez as like the commissioner pick or whatever, I'm gonna be pissed off at the commissioner too. <laughs> This is nonsense. Stop with the All-Star games. Eric hates All-Star games. Stop it. Jeez. Jeez. Mr. Vars taking all the fun away. He doesn't want All-Star games to be played. And the thing is, All-Star games, they're supposed to be nothing but fun. But turns out, as we saw with... with uh, well, we're still start from the, scarred with, from the Greg Garza yeah, thing, that's what I'm right? Saying. With, with the Greg Garza uh, fiasco, it just haunts me. Haunts my dreams. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't want anyone to get Enough injured. Enough with the All-Star games! But Angry Eric is kind of cool, so I don't know. Maybe... No more All-Star <laughs> games! I think Atlanta United should, should honestly, if anyone is listening from the club, please, refuse to let them go. Please just make up an injury. Or Take a stand. Refuse to let them go. Well, as long if, as... If you're a true Atlanta United fan, and I'm just kidding, but if you're a true Atlanta United fan, you will go to the airport... You will find oh, out when boy. they're taking off, and you will stand in front of the plane. Oh boy! You will ref- you will you will you will not allow them to take off. <laughs> wow! I didn't realize you got so angry about this. And you're going to put all these players in purple shirts. 
Right. Well, they, yeah, they're wearing basically an Orlando, an Orlando this is, color. This is. I mean, look, if you want to get mad at something, it'd be about them being forced to go to Orlando. I, is, I don't think it's that big a deal. I mean, you know, like I don't want to be injured either. This but is a travesty of ever. It's epic a nice. Proportion. It's you know, it's nice, nice recognition. Everyone that voted for these players deserves a, a, a swift kick in the shin. A swift kick in the shin. Wow, he is furious. Don't vote for Atlanta United players in the All Star game. Right, because they might get hurt. Even though it's good for the club, is it, it's, is it good for the club? I guess I don't know. It's nice. It's nice to get your name out there to have play your, against the Atletico Madrid. Watch your C boys team? playing Atleti. No, though, I think they'll bring over a decent, a decent Come roster. On. Maybe we'll see Jao Felix. Come on, playing, uh, playing for them. They're big money signing. Come so. on, you know what doesn't count? A win over Atletico Madrid. <laughs> yeah, you know what doesn't count? That. Yeah. I, you know, I, 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 I don't say, know what I, to tell I, you. I, 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 look, I will say, I will say. I'm just, I'm a little frightened right now. I so. will say that if jo- Joseph Martinez does score in this match, I hope that he takes off his jersey. I hope he holds it up much like he did when he broke the, the MLS scoring record. Mm-hmm. Holds it up. In Orlando. Right in front of the wall for all the world to see. In purple. Oh, holds up the purple. Yeah, And I, just, I want him to mouth, who's your daddy? <laughs> who's your daddy? <laughs> Here's the other thing. Enough with this fathered crap. That's not what he meant. Oh, we're going through this again, right? That's not what he meant. Well, he you was, guys all sound like idiots when you say he fathered you. That's not at all what he meant. Right, it doesn't translate the way. Not Eric, at all. But but he basically meant I'm your dad, right? I, no, he. That's what it means. I'm. Yeah. I'm your daddy. Right. But we're I like. I like. I like fathered you. So the much. Dumbest, the dumbest it's, thing. It's, it's it's you like it because it's so dumb. It's just very condescending. It's like it's like uh, you know. I, I brought you to what you are. You know, I, I don't know. I'm obviously kidding about standing in front of a plane. Yeah, Eric got really angry. I'm, I was I'm, like... I, I just want to make sure I'm clear. I'm kidding about standing in front of a plane. I didn't sound I like I it. I don't want anyone to get hurt. I don't know. I will restate that I really don't like Atlanta United players going to this game. I don't care about Apparently anybody Apparently so. Jeez. I don't like the game itself. I don't like Atlanta United well, players. Well, we know you hate All-Star game. games. You've been on this tip for since we started the podcast, or at least since I've been on the podcast. No one watches them. I don't know what they're no, for. I, 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 I don't know who they're I don't, for. I you know, I would like him all star game if they brought back the skills stuff they had in like the nineties and the way you know you'd be doing crossbar challenge, who had the fastest shot, keeper wars. That stuff was cool. But you know, it's a friendly match, so hopefully no one will get injured, okay? Hopefully no one will get injured. If someone gets injured, I am not coming into the studio for our next show because whatever you just did was horrifying. And uh, I, I I can't be uh, I can't be around that. It's too scary. Let's not let it happen. Greg, Greg Garza's shoulder broke Eric. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Jenna. Anyways, that match July 31st uh, in Orlando City Stadium. Aren't they changing the name of that stadium? Yeah, to uh, what they're changing it to. To some sponsor that no one is like no one has ever heard of before. I can't. I can't remember. We'll 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 cross that bridge when we get there. There's so much Orlando content to get to as the season goes Anyways, on. Anyways, another reason to crap on Orlando. Oh, easy, easy. All right. Uh, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? been a goodie it's been fun yeah it's i've never seen you get that angry before but uh you got angry here. like i said looking for, we're looking forward to next week we can, we're going to preview the match on the radio uh and then we'll have a recap the the the, the following day i'm really really looking forward like we kind of talked about uh if we leave you with anything it's who's going to play that number nine position with joseph martinez gone and also are you going to see a tactical change and the way Atlanta United approaches the match because Joseph is such a critical part to Frank DeBoer's system. Stephen Reed just asked if I wanted to go to the All-Star game. Did he? On the, on the chat. Oh, on the yeah, right, right. Oh, he has tickets. Want to go? Screw you, Stephen. I don't know, Stephen. Did you just hear what happened? Do you really want to sit with Eric? Screw you, Stephen. Plus, he'll drink like 
I don't know. I, w- I would. Eric I would, can throw down. I, I, I would definitely drink heavily. And the entire time I would complain about the All-Star game. To the referee. Yeah. To so, the players. So do you really want to sit with this to guy, Steven? Seriously? Seriously? Orlando, Orlando fans will definitely punch me in the face. <laughs> well. Valentin, whatever his if face. They, if if they figure me. out who you are, they're coming after you anyway, my friend. You All have right. done too much to those poor people. You follow f- us on Twitter yeah. at MOTS Podcast. You can follow me at Eric G. Quintana. You can follow me at Josh B914. Sam is at Sam J. Franco. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Mouse of the South. Uh, we're on Instagram, MOTS Podcast. Uh, follow the YouTube page, MOTS Podcast as well. Subscribe. Um, donate to the podcast if you like, patreon.com slash MOTS Podcast. Every little bit helps. And is that it? Trying to think if there's anything else. Make sure you're listening to the radio show every week, yep. 7 o'clock, yep. Atlanta Sports X. 30 South South. You soccer. can't listen on the radio. Listen on the app. Yep. There's soccer on the radio, guys. I'm involved. We want to grow this thing. Oh, now you're whispering? Let's wow. Now he's whispering. I can't handle this. All right. That does it for us. Until next time. See you later, Atlanta.